Well, everybody, welcome back to another great episode of Doable Discipleship, and this is going to be a really, really good one. Uh, this is a Saddleback Church podcast designed to help you deepen your friendship with God, but we like to call it the show that helps you grow. Sadly, Jason is not here with me today because their little boy, Ben, is homesick today, so Jason is helping take care of him. Uh, so I'll be flying solo for just a few seconds here, and then Rob Jacobs will be joining me for the rest of this episode, helping me host our two guests today. Uh, our first guest you've heard from before, his name's Ken Baugh. He joined us for uh, a pair of episodes not too long ago, I don't know, a month or two ago, and we talked about topics of emotional health and um, and what neuroscience can teach us about spiritual formation. Two really great episodes. I know you loved those episodes because they were really, really popular in our feed. Um, Ken is back today. Um, if you remember Ken, he is a, uh, a huge champion of emotional, healthy spirituality, and he um, gave us just some great principles last time he was on the show and some great guidance to help us um, get a handle on the way we think. Um, Ken has trained lots of pastors. He trains campus pastors here at Saddleback um, to help them develop emotional health and um, help them in their spiritual formation journey. Today, we're also going to be joined by uh, a new friend named Bill, Bill Galtier. And Bill is a psychologist and a spiritual director, and he's the founder of an organization called Soul Shepherding with his wife, Christy, who's also a therapist. And they train pastors and, and other believers to thrive with Jesus in life and ministry. He's served as a pastor uh, and on leadership teams of a megachurch and also of a church plant. Uh, he's also written a great book, which we'll be referencing occasionally today, called Your Best Life in Jesus, Easy Yoke, Rhythms of Grace to De-Stress and Live Empowered. Uh, we'll link his book in the show notes so you can check that out later on. Uh, this is a great episode, and we had uh, so much great stuff to talk about that we decided to break it into two parts because one episode just wasn't enough to to, to you know, hold all the good wisdom and guidance that was shared by these two great dudes. So uh, this will be a two-part episode, 103 and 104. So listen to the first part with Bill, Ken, Rob, and myself right now. Ken, Bill, thanks for joining us today. Hey, it's great! Great to be with you. Thanks yeah. so much, Doug. I'm excited to talk about yeah. this uh, about this issue with you guys. I got Rob Jacobs here as well. Hello, Rob. Thank you, Doug, for bringing me back on the show. <laughs> yeah, uh, if anyone's wondering, Jason Wheeland is out sick with a baby today, so that's why he's not on the show today. We got Rob, who's always a, a an eager second string, I guess. I don't yes. want to demote you or anything. <laughs> the boss is second string. I get very few chances to take my <laughs> boss down a peg, and I'm going to take the chance when I can. Well played, sir. Well played. All right. Well, we're talking about anxiety today and how to calm the anxious mind. And uh, I'm really excited to hear what you guys have to say about this topic. So let's just dive right in, shall we? And, and uh, we're going to hear a little bit of each of your story as we go through the questions today. Um, so I think we'll just hop right in. First, um, we know that anxiety is something that uh, affects a ton of people. It is a major, major issue. And uh, it's even a major issue for people who are devoted followers of Jesus. Can you guys talk a little bit about why anxiety and stress is such a huge issue? Yeah, 20% of Americans have an anxiety disorder, and mm. lots more go undiagnosed. And it's getting worse. The uh, recent survey said that 40% of people say they're more anxious this year than last year. Mm. So I think there's something about our, our culture with uh, the information overload, the fast pace, the uh, pressures to achieve, and uh, many other ways that we're internalizing stress that just generates a lot of 
anxiety. Hmm. Why, do, why do you think it is that Christians aren't, they don't have, a, they don't seem to be getting a pass on that? It seems like it's afflicting people who walk closely with Jesus as well. Are there any thoughts on that? Well, one of the things I wanted just to add to what Bill was just saying, Doug, was for Christians, we're not supposed to be anxious, mm. right? Jesus says, do not worry. Mm. Uh, and so there's this kind of double bind that we find ourselves in where we have anxiety, but we're not supposed to have anxiety. Mm. And that creates more anxiety. So yeah. it like feeds on itself <laughs> and creates, uh, creates more. Plus, one of the byproducts of shame that we've talked about is fear, and anxiety is is fear essentially. Yeah. So I think believers are caught in a double bind, potentially struggling with it in different ways, but maybe more so than those who aren't. Yeah, you almost have like a dose of guilt and shame that comes along just from feeling anxious exactly. as a Christian. Yeah, that is a a bit of a catch twenty two. Uh, Rob, help, help, well, help explain double bind because I'm not sure everybody knows that term. I know that's. You know, for many of us, we think double bind, it's, there's a no-win situation. But w- walk us through like an example of a double bind, if you could. Well, I would say that whenever there's a difference between what I think is real and what is real, it creates conflict. Hmm. So I would say a double bind is just the conflict that is the result of uh, what I think needs is true or wish were true but isn't true. And so then it creates this kind of anxious loop. Hmm. Yeah, so uh, the point about Christians, so uh, Paul says, right, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, present your request to God, and then the peace of God will come over you. You know, the way we read that is stuff your worries and fears. Just say a prayer. You should always look and act calm, happy, and strong. If you feel anxious, insecure, or emotional, you're not a good Christian. That's how we read Paul. That's that's a double bind. It's yeah. like that's crazy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, uh, in your book, you talk about your story of stress and overload and anxiety and burnout. Uh, can you talk a little bit about what happened for you, Bill? So I was working as a psychologist and a pastor uh, in my thirties, and uh, just frying myself with too much work and mm-hmm. internalizing a lot of stress uh, in both of my roles. And had three kids in school, and was just going and blowing for Jesus. Mm. And meanwhile, my, my soul was just slowly draining away of life and energy. And uh, the expectations that I was putting on myself were, were a lot. And then adding to that, just different disappointments and discouragements. And so, yeah, I just hit a state of burnout and it was just pretty, pretty flat spiritually, pretty, pretty mm. stressed out, a lot of internalized stress and anxiety. And so that's when uh, the Lord came in in a, in a new way through my relationship with Ray Ortland and then with Dallas Willard and learned about Christian spiritual formation, which is, you know, an ancient way of understanding discipleship, mm-hmm. very relational and heart-oriented way, and sort of going on retreats and slowing down, and the Lord greatly renewed me and recharged me, and that ultimately led to the birth of our, our soul shepherding ministry. Mm. Some pretty... Uh... Stellar mentors you had there. <laughs> yeah, I'm blessed. If, if a man rises to the level of his mentors, and I've got a good trajectory. So. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Ooh, that's cool. Maybe I have that to hope for. Your mentor's me, right? Yeah, definitely. So, don't expect much. Shooting for the moon here. <laughs> don't expect much. <laughs> well, let's, let's talk definitions for just a second so we can be really clear with people. We're using the word anxiety 
Um, but can you guys help define it and just talk about the symptoms? And and I, I don't know. I know one question I have is, what's the difference between just having a stressful day and being in the grip of anxiety? Can you talk a little bit about that? Well, what we say is that anxiety is internalized stress. Hmm. So we often say, you know, I'm stressed out. Well, really, that's stressed in. Hmm. So stress is anything that we go through in life that's difficult, upsetting. Even a change, like even a good change, is stressful. Christmas is stressful. Your birthday is stressful. Yeah. Getting a new job that you really wanted to have is stressful. So there's a lot of things that, that are stressful. And our culture, because of the information overload and the hurry that we were talking about, uh, the FOMO we have with social media and all that, there's even more stress. Hmm. It becomes anxiety when we're internalizing those events and we're not processing those emotions. We're not getting empathy and, and help with that. We're not praying through those things, which is what Paul is actually teaching us in Philippians 4. He's really mm. saying, you know, when you are anxious, he's not condemning us for having emotions. Yeah, he's we, assuming that we will be anxious. Right. Yeah. So in those situations, he's saying, hey, talk to God about how you feel. And in other places, he essentially says, you know, we'll talk to a friend or a Christ ambassador, somebody in the body of Christ, in order to work that through and get empathy and receive grace so that you can overflow. So that's, that's the key point with stress and anxiety, is that anxiety is on the inside. Hmm. So it bubbles beneath the surface and, infect, and affects you in ways that you may, not, you may not even be able to see the effects of it in a very... Um, you may not be able to easily detect the effects of your anxiety, right? Sometimes it may come out in ways that you don't anticipate or expect, or sometimes you may not even be, be able to see the connection, wouldn't you say? Yeah, and I think the body always keeps score. So yeah, whatever yeah. we internalize is going to manifest itself physiologically mm. as well and lead to all kinds of physical issues. Mm. Yeah, there's a pastor, Steve Cuss, who's been doing a lot of work around anxiety and around, well, specifically like ministry leadership, but it applies to, to anyone. And he always says that you can normally tell three places it's always going to manifest and physically. It's like, mm. so he always asks, are you... Are you feeling this through a spinning mind, a racing heart, or a tightening gut? So, you know, those, it's as, you know, as we're saying that it's coming from the inside out. Can you say those three again? A spinning mind, a racing heart, or a tightening gut. Hmm. So your stomach, you start getting anxious, your stomach starts getting upset, your your heart's racing, your pulse is increasing, or Mm -hmm. like you just, and this is for me, like... I start getting anxious and my thoughts just, they start coming at rapid speed, yeah. you know, and I just start getting overwhelmed with like, and then this and this and this and this, what about this? And then it's like, you're just, your brain is um, yeah. just on its own, you know, manic cycle of just spinning, spinning, spinning. And that's why, you know, like for me, like it'll be hard to sleep if I'm anxious because I'm thinking about all these things. Yeah. Uh, that's the, the kind of the spinning mind. Yeah. Same here. All right, Ken, let's hear a little bit of your story. You were a successful pastor, successful church. Um, but you, you got to a point where you were overwhelmed by stress and anxiety. Um, and then you turned to Bill and Soul Shepherd. Can you talk a little bit about that story? Yeah, I think for me, the majority of my anxiety was the result of people pleasing Mm. and trying to manage everybody's expectations. And when I couldn't, I would just double down Mm. and worked incredibly hard to make everybody happy Mm. and that led me to over years of doing that led me to that point of exhaustion because it takes an incredible amount of energy to manage your anxiety that way and trying to mitigate it by people pleasing and one of the things that is true 
uh, not just in ministry, but my experience, especially in ministry, is that the number of people that you have in your congregation is the number of opinions and expectations that you're challenged with. Mm. And one of the great difficulties that I found just in my coaching with pastors is most pastors are wired in a way that is very caring and it matters to them what people think, how people feel. Mm. And of course that can move into the area, a pathological area very quickly, but Mm. there's a tenderness in their hearts that make them maybe more susceptible or vulnerable to this. And so if there's unhealthiness in them, which there is in all of us to varying degrees. So for me, coming out of a childhood where I was essentially uh, managing the emotions of some of my family members without realizing it, that's a pretty heavy burden to carry. Mm. And so I just carried that directly into my ministry. Yeah. And so once I hit the place of burnout that led to my forced termination, uh, Bill and I had been friends up to that point, just as as pastors and just with different people in the congregation. And, you know, he and his wife, Christy, and their ministry just come alongside of pastors, just kind of to love your neighbor pastor is kind of mm. one of their mottos. But after I hit the wall with all this, I turned to Bill just as a therapist and just said, I need some help. And the great thing about Bill and Christy is that you know, Bill's not only a psychologist, but he's a, he's a pastor and he has a pastor's heart. So he gets pastors. Mm. And that has been not just through our therapy that he and I have done together, but as in our friendship and even as colleagues in doing things like this together and, and other, uh, other ministry opportunities. And so it's, it's, it's coming full circle, but it's also something, Doug, that I wouldn't say I'm not over it. Mm. I'm working through it. And I get frustrated at times. I'm not farther along than I thought I was, but it's definitely something I'm constantly aware of and and growing in. Mm. What can can I follow up on that? What have been some of the key breakthroughs then for you, and around understanding your anxiety, or Bill? What have been some of the things that you feel are important to help people understand and and kind of getting at least getting further down the road on working on it? Well, the whole thing with people-pleasing that Ken mentions, which is I'm so glad that you shared that because that's so often a part of the anxiety and the ways that we try to manage expectations and control what people think about us and the outcomes of situations. That, that, that's a, a good example of anxiety because it, it's a control disease. Uh, and that's very stressful when you're trying to control things that you really can't control. And so... Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, learning to uh, really lean into the sovereignty of God is huge there. And I know for you, Ken, that was a big deal. And you've you've talked not just with me, but publicly about the importance of resting in God's sovereignty. And it's something, of course, you're trained in your your master's of divinity degree and your your doctorate in discipleship, and you've been preaching for many years. But getting that worked deeper into your personality, into the ways that you're relating with people, that that's the work that you've done in these recent years that's really helped you. So in uh, in my book, Your Best Life in Jesus' Easy Yoke, we call this abandoning outcomes to God. Mm-hmm. And that's really a, a key phrase here and concept as it relates to anxiety, because so much of the ways that we are internalizing stress is because we're trying to control things. Mm-hmm. 
in people pleasing. It's what people think about us and how they relate to us in achievement. It's, you know, it's our performance. It's, it's our success. And we don't really have control over these things. We have influence. Uh, but as we try, as we push and try to control, we're internalizing stress and we're generating anxiety mm-hmm. because in order to keep the good, the good image, we're, we're repressing a lot of emotion in there that, that needs to be related with by God who loves us and by people who mm-hmm. will love us. Yeah, and it's a slippery slope because the more you're trying to control outcomes, you start to make compromises in other areas like deceit. You know, you're not always necessarily telling the whole truth about something because you're trying to manage mm. that relationship or you uh, you aren't being helpful to the other person because you're afraid that if you are speak truth to them that you're going to get a reaction that jeopardizes the relationship. Mm. Then, so now you're making these these micro compromises depending on the situation and that creates even more anxiety because as because you know that you're doing that Mm. and so you start you start morphing into a different person depending on who it is you're with and that's creating internal conflict because you're compromising your own values and integrity Mm. bill you use the the term the sovereignty of god a second ago would you would you just say a little bit more about how recognition of the sovereignty of God helps solve this, this control problem? Yeah, well, that's, that's good, Doug, because it gets into an example of the problem that we started with around, well, you know, why, why do Christians struggle with anxiety when we have mm-hmm. the wisdom of God's Word? So much of discipleship that gets translated to us is like, you know, believe the right things and do the right things. And here on Doable Discipleship, you're really after a, a much deeper relationship with the Lord and within the body of Christ in, in order to produce a healthier, an emotionally healthy discipleship. And so the problem we have with the sovereignty of God is when that's a theological doctrine, but not worked into the fabric of our personalities and how we operate, it's not going to do us a whole lot of good. Hmm. So the big question in discipleship is how do you, how do you get these, these truths of Scripture worked into our life? And It's more than learning a doctrine. It's more than studying the Bible. It includes those things, but Mm. it's got to get into the realm of emotions and relationships. It's got to affect our habits, how we're we're functioning in in daily life. Mm. Uh, Habits are coming out of our unconscious, our our very deep personality. So we really need to get into this area of spiritual formation and soul care, what we call soul shepherding. Mm. Rob, you've said something before. I've heard you say this in devotionals and stuff in the past. You talk about how... Sometimes, even as Christians, we try to we try to usurp God's attributes and all the the difficulty that that brings. You talked you've talked before about how we almost aspire to become uh, omnipotent by trying to control everything. Mm, we try yeah. to become omnipresent by trying to be everywhere, right. and be everything yeah. for everyone. Can you say a little yeah, bit well, about that? <clears throat> so there's a temptation that we all face, and you can see this coming right out of the garden. Right there's this temptation to be. Uh, you know, omnipresent, that we can be everywhere, that there's nothing, no meeting we can't make. You know, mm. we, can, we can do it. We can be at work, at the game. We can, you know, it's, you know, I can be home making dinner. I can do all those things at once. Mm. I can uh, have, you know, omniscience. I can know everything. I can be the smartest person in the room. I have the answers to everything. And just that temptation to, to, to want to have that and be that. Um, I can be omnipotent. I can be all powerful. I can get everything done. Uh, there's nothing I can't get done. And the, the culture's feeding this, right? Yeah. And then um, 
there's a word I use just called omnicompetent, which is kind of this, you know, I'm skilled at all things and, and, you know, I have the ability to do all things. Again, culture driving this lie. And then you look at Jesus, who the incarnation is the embodiment of limitation, mm-hmm. right? He, the incarnation, him physically coming is, is a limitation. Mm-hmm. So he cannot be everywhere at once. You know, you don't see Jesus running. Jesus walks. Um, Jesus stops. He's interrupted. Um, he he asks questions. He doesn't even know when he's coming back. You know, so there, there's all this limitation. If you so the temptation that the culture wants us to have and the lie that we want to embrace is that we can know everything, be everything, do everything, be everywhere at once. Overcome your limitations. Exactly. That yeah. limitations are something that you know we can can be overcome. That can be conquered. And here's Jesus saying, <laughs> "I'm literally the." You know, the, I'm the physical manifestation of yeah. dealing with limitation here, and you know, do no better than me. Yeah. Um, so, I, I to me, it comes back to the you know this. Ken, you're talking about people pleasing, and then the kind of control aspects that come out of it that you're talking about, Bill. But <clears throat> I, I, one of the things that for me comes out when I think about anxiety is kind of a, a lacking. Uh, it's this fear of not having, and mm-hmm. part of that to me is the fears coming from not fully believing that you are loved by God, loved by Jesus. And so if you look at like 1 Corinthians 13, you know, it's, you know, here we see love is patient, but we're impatient because we feel like we lack something. And because we're impatient, we can, we can rush, we can run over people, we can try and get to where we need to go. Mm -hmm. But if you felt like you didn't lack anything, you wouldn't have the anxiety to feel like you need to drive past, um, past patience. Um, if you knew that God loves you and he's kind to you, you wouldn't feel like you lack something and that you had to disregard another or to get over another. Um, if you knew that God loved you perfectly and you did not lack that, you wouldn't have the fear of, uh, that comes from envying and the anxiety that comes from envying is certainly in this, in our culture, especially for us who live, you know, anywhere near LA, Orange County. I mean, this, this envy of having to have it all, be it all, do it all kind of thing. And so, there's a certain amount of fear that we lack a certain thing and that creates the anxiety. And then you look at like a first Corinthians 13, (laughs) it's literally saying, here's, here's where we want to get to. Um, and, and these are the antidotes to these things that you do not lack anything in Christ. Mm. Um, but you know, we, we do experience life through our bodies. We, you know, we're not just a set of theological concepts walking through the world. So, one of the things, Bill, that when you talk about how Dallas Willard mentored you, and he's mentored me through books, and you know, much a lot of our team enjoys reading Dallas Willard. In fact, we're reading Dallas right now. Mm-hmm. Um, what did you learn about Jesus? Because I know that Dallas, one of the things he talks about is like, you know, you live life in the body. And you can't mm-hmm. escape that part. And in fact, Doug, you were talking on one of the other episodes about how, you know, Easter is so awesome because the resurrection is not just the soul and heaven floating around on That's white wings. It's the thing. body. We're coming back in our body, you know. It's concrete these, reality. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So the body is important. Yeah. Um, and so, and Dallas even speaks to that. Bill, can you, what can you, what can you tell us about um, kind of the body and the easy yoke? One time I was having lunch with Dallas and he said to me, so Bill, if you had one word to describe Jesus, what would it be? And uh, I was thinking through my words, you know, well, love and Lord and uh, Savior and compassion, you know, words like justice and holy and, and, but I'm thinking, I wonder what Dallas's word is. 
<laughs> and so he looks at me and he says, relaxed. Hmm. Uh, and if somebody besides Dallas had said that, I probably would have chuckled a little bit like that's kind of a wimpy word or something. But yeah. but Dallas is such a thinker and a, and a powerful man of God in a and a theology student as like, wow, yeah, I need to go back and look at the Gospels more carefully. And maybe he was using that word because he knew that that was the one I needed yeah. <laughs> to get in, in the easy yoke. Uh, so yeah, anxiety is embodied, and uh, Dallas emphasized a lot with the disciplines that they're, they're bodily activities that we do, and they are uh, engaging our inner being, our thoughts and feelings, and our will, uh, and our uh, then in our relational connections. But we don't we don't change. We don't grow in Christlikeness apart from it being embodied. You know, uh, Romans twelve. Uh, in view of God's mercy, you know, Paul says, I, "I urge you to offer your bodies, you know, as, as living sacrifices." So we live this Christian life in our body, and we need to take care of of that temple. We need to pay attention to what we're experiencing. You know, when we have emotions, they're always in our body, and when we repress our emotions, they don't go away. We're not thinking about them, but they just go into our body, mm-hmm. and that, that's what anxiety is. Anxiety is a secondary emotion. And so the great thing about Dallas is the ways that he really lived his message, and he embodied that relaxed peace of Jesus, uh, this abandoning outcomes to God, which is a term that we get from Dallas. So uh, yeah, he's, he's an amazing uh, thinker and practitioner and uh, just man who embodied the gospel of Jesus. Mm-hmm. You know, Jesus, Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary heavy laden, I'll give you rest for your souls. And I think if I asked for a show of hands and our listeners in cars and trains and houses all across the world, hands would be going up, people saying, I feel weary, I feel heavy laden, or, you know, translate it down, I feel tired, and I feel like I'm under a heavy burden. Um, how how does someone <clears throat> begin entering into that easy yoke of Jesus? I mean, how how do we go from weary and heavy laden as believers to experiencing that easy yoke? Yeah, so the big problem I think that we have when we try to understand and apply Jesus' easy yoke is that we don't, we, we, we think of it like this is like, okay, go on vacation or go on retreat or mm. uh, take a nap. And these are things we might need to do uh, in order to learn to, to rest. But that's not ultimately what Jesus is talking about. Ultimately, he's saying, you know, get in the yoke with me. The analogy is two two oxen are pulling a plow, and we got Mm -hmm. an older, mature lead ox, and that's Jesus, and now we're going to come up alongside Jesus, and we're going to, in using Peterson's wording, we're going to walk with Jesus, and we're going to work with him. Mm -hmm. These are unforced rhythms of grace, and so we're, we're getting in cadence with Jesus. We're taking on his spirit. And so the easy yoke is really a, a way of life. Mm. So this is what we unpack in our book. It's, it's not so much about life being easy, because life is hard. Life is painful. Life is stressful. We've got conflicts. We've got expectations. We've got things that we're doing. We're, we're serving God, and, and that's important. Mm. But there is a way of doing hard things when, that's easy when we're with Jesus. And then we've got the peace of God that passes all understanding that guards our hearts. Mm. And I think a, a way to make that super practical is to invite Jesus to do something with you. Mm-hmm. So when I was writing my dissertation, it was a laborious process that I was getting more and more discouraged mm. in as I went along. And I actually wrote on a note card, I'm writing this dissertation. 
because of my love for God and my love for people. So I tied it back into the great commandment. Hmm. And then I would invite Jesus to sit with me and help me write this, that we'd write it together. Hmm. And I know that may sound odd to some people that are listening, but I really believe when that God is waiting for us. He's always with us, but he's waiting for us to invite him specifically in because mm. he's not going to force himself on us. And I got to tell you, when I invited him to write that, that with me, and I'm writing a book right now and I'm doing the same thing, mm-hmm. uh, it has a very different outcome. Mm. And I can be more at rest, more at peace, and and frankly, more present to enjoying the process mm. than I am stressing about, is this going to be good? Is this going to get rejected? Is this going to accomplish, you know, am I capturing everything that I that I really want to put down on paper and all this and all this anxiety? Yeah. And so something even that practical, just putting it on a note card, putting it right in front of me and reminding myself of it, even throughout, you know, the hours that I am Mm. Uh, I'm doing something. It's the difference between um, God's God's theological presence. You know, He's present in the sense that it's in His nature to be present with us. It's it's it's, a, it's among His attributes for Him to be present with us. But being personally present in the sense of personal one to one connection between you and Christ is a very different thing. Look at you're airing up. What you're talking about, Doug, is essential to what to the essence of this. It really mm. comes down to John 15. It's it's the essence of abiding in Jesus. Mm. That is what is available to us in Christ, is a 24-7 constant awareness of his presence. Mm. But it's it's up to us. The effort on our part is to practice that presence, yeah. to be mindful of his being with me, that he is available and accessible to me in very practical ways as I invite him to guide me and to lead me and to direct me and to help me. Well, thanks everybody for listening to the first part of this uh, uh, series of two episodes with Bill and Ken. Uh, Join us again next week as we carry on with the remainder of this conversation. I told you it was a good one, and I know you now know what I'm talking about. Don't miss the rest of it when we come back next Tuesday. If you enjoyed this episode, consider giving us a rating or a review on iTunes. If you do, you'll help other people find us in the future. You can also listen to these episodes on YouTube. Subscribe to the Saddleback Church YouTube channel for these conversations, plus lots of video content. And if you're already listening to us on YouTube, subscribe to the Doable Discipleship Podcasts on Apple Podcasts or your favorite app, so you can listen in the car or wherever else you go. Don't forget to visit saddleback.com doable to check out all our previous episodes. And go to saddleback.com slash grow to find spiritual growth resources and view a calendar of upcoming events. Lastly, you can always get in touch with us by emailing maturity at saddleback.com. Send us your thoughts. Send us your questions, your Bible questions, your life questions, whatever. Who knows? Your question just might inspire an upcoming episode. Thanks again for tuning in to Doable Discipleship. I'm Doug Jones, and I hope you'll join us again next week.